Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the same place they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the play against them. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, same as it ever was. Happy New Year and another shot at a national title. Feels right, right? Man, this is where we're supposed to be, right? This is the, you know, ever since they've started this little cockamamie idea to put down the SEC's dominance, we've been here four times, man. So uh, it was good to take care of Clemson and – it's even better to have an all SEC championship game coming up. You know, there was a tweet that Alphonse Taylor had, and uh, it, it kind of got a kick out of it. And he said, you know, imagine how many people are waking up Tuesday morning pissed off that there's two SEC teams in the national title game after the playoff was sort of invented as a convention to keep SEC teams out of the national championship I, you know, I thought that was pretty. Uh, I thought that was pretty clever about old Alphonse. No man, it was funny. Uh, I, I saw that as well. And um, there, there is a lot of unhappy people between uh, UCF alumni and then the rest of the uh, country. Um, you know, there there will be some uh, fun times in Atlanta, but I'm sure the I'm sure the TV ratings will still be high. But um, th- there will definitely be some people on the uh, parts of the uh, northeastern part of the country and the west coast that will probably not be tuning in for this for all the excitement you know if i were uh if i were the the tv networks i don't know that i would be so pleased about it but um hey i'm not a tv network so hey but you know but you know we say that but then when alabama played lsu <laughs> right it blew up the tv ratings because what was it it was a heavyweight slugfest right it was a hell of a football game and um, this is going to be that as well. We'll get to that here later. But right. I, I think that I, I think that that might also, uh, you know, bring bring some uh, people. Traditional football lovers will enjoy that game. But but let's start off with this game, man. What was the first thing that kind of jumped out at you on offense that you know that you want to talk to the listeners about? You know, I think the the big thing that that sort of jumped out to me, and and probably near the top of your list as well, is uh, not only did we run the ball, but we handed the ball off. Uh, Damian had 19 carries, which itself is not a big number, but it's a big number relative to what he's been getting all season. And, uh, you know, he had 77 yards. I mean, he's had single carries that were, you know, nearly nearly that long. But uh, but the fact that he had 19 uh, rushes, that we established the running attack with him, we continue to go back with him. What was it, just uh, the Auburn game, he had six carries, seven carries, something like that. So the fact that we handed it off to him, you know, very intentionally, 19 times, established a rhythm. Um, that's, I think, what stood out to me the most. Well, and to your point, right, the the Crimson Tide's, you know, top three running backs had 18 carries combined against Auburn, and here he has 19 carries in this game. And what was really surprising about that is that was a career high for him. And so, you know, with the two-headed monsters of years past, we talked about the starter would get 20 carries, right? And the backup would get 10 carries. And that would be kind of what would typically happen with with this team. And obviously with uh, Jalen Hurts calling his number more, you know, we've kind of gone away from that. 
And so I will tell you that it was nice to see Damien have 19. Um, I wish he would have had a few more because I actually think that that he was the more effective guy in this football game. Uh, take the, take nothing away from Bo, um, but you know when uh, early in this game when when Damien came out for a blow and and Bo came into the game instead of running the ball up the middle, uh, you know they had first and ten at the fifteen yard line uh, early in this game, and you know Damien rushes for six yards, sets up second and four. He comes out, you know. You're, you're sitting here inside the 10-yard line, and instead of running the ball up the middle with Bo like you've been doing for Damian, you, you, you start pitching it wide with a team that's got a lot of lateral quickness in Clemson. And uh, they've got two defensive ends that, that only go 265 pounds. And I think the way you attack speed is you go right at it. And so at the end of that second drive there, our second series, when Bo came in, you know we put him in a situation where he can't be effective. And um, uh, that was unfortunate because I, I will tell you, David, man, we should have put this team away early in this game, and uh, we didn't. And uh, in, in my opinion, we were fortunate to win this ball game. Well, I don't know fortunate to win the game. I think I think we were dominating, uh, you know, dominant, especially on defense. But I think I think we sort of dominated both sides of the ball, uh, you know, for the duration of the game. I'll kind of go devil's advocate with you a, a, a little bit. You know, I agree. I think I, I would have liked to have seen Damian get some of those carries. But there at the end of the game, the last, um, you know, instead of taking a knee, we were running Damian up the middle. And I, I was thinking, you know, why the hell were we doing that? I think I would be just as happy if he had 17 carries because I don't like him. I didn't like, did not like his last two carries. But if he had three or four of Bo's carries, I think that would have been okay. Let me go devil's advocate with you on, on Bo. And, and tell me if I'm stretching this a little bit. But Bo was the running back that nearly beat Clemson last year. And I think we'd all agree, if he hadn't have broken his leg in that game, we would have won that game. Alabama would have won that game. Bo would have you know, gotten him another 80 yards and such. And so and, – and we do pitch to Bo to the outside you know, a lot. So it's not outside of the game plan. But were we using Bo almost as like the shiny object to force the, the defense almost to overreact, to force the, the defense to defend something other than just the middle of the field, you know, make them run, run lateral, which makes the inside runs a little easier. And we're going to do it with a shiny object called Bo Scarborough that they know was kicking their ass last, last season. How much of a stretch is that, or do you think there's a nugget there? It's not a stretch. Okay, and obviously he has success when you put him out in space, but he has a big back. He needs yes. to square up his shoulders. My point is, is on that second series when they should have got a touchdown and not settled for a field goal, if you're going to go wide because Damien's been going up the middle three times in a row, then you go put Irv Smith in the slot and have him crack back on the outside linebacker. Um, you have – or you have – um. Uh, two tight ends line up on the left side of the uh, left tackle there, so that so that Bo's got like Bo's got to get ahead of steam. You got to you got to get him going. If you recall <clears> right. against if you recall against the Auburn in the Auburn game where we came out the second half right and 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 we were running the ball down their throats for those five carries, you had a different scheme of blocking for Bo to get him around the edge. And so you and I've always talked about the tall sweep. Right. So in my opinion, 
you put you put uh, Jalen Hurts under center there to show him something different. Put him under center, and you pitch it wide to Bo, and you have uh, one or two tight ends over here blocking for him. Then Bo can do something with it, but not with the formation that they were in, in my opinion. And so, so yes, I think it's different to think about, but I think you set Bo up for failure because you know he he kind of got the ball too late. The fast defense already had time to react. He couldn't square up his shoulders, and he couldn't get a steam. You know, he couldn't get get going, and so it it just wasn't effective. No, I think that's fair. I think uh, I, I think we've kind of landed on something there, right? I think there's value in tossing it to him on the outside. There's value, you know, that's where he has you know some dynamic capability. You want to get the defense moving lateral to keep them you know sort of on their toes, anyways. But that's a good defense. It's a fast defense. And so everything worked there except for maybe the blocking alignment. Well, um, and let me let me say this very quickly. So he comes in on that play and he he gets two yards. Then he then on third and two, they they go wide, they jump off side. Uh, they're they're in the neutral, they're they're aligned up in the neutral zone. We have first and goal at the three, right? First and goal at the three. And so, in my opinion, right there, you go up the middle. What do you do instead? You pitch him wide again. He loses six yards, right? And now you're yeah. backed up to the you know nine yard line. I just I didn't understand the sequence there. And so in my you know, opinion, think, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say I think there's you know there's two different things that we're we're sort of kicking over, right? I think there's the philosophy of you know getting Bo to the outside, which is not bad. And what that does to the defense, I think that could be blocked a little bit better. And then situationally I didn't like some of the times that we did it. Uh, so you could do a good thing at the wrong time and it not be a good thing. And so, you know, you're right there. When we had second and three um, and that toss had not been working, probably not a good call to to run again. Right. Now, now let me go back to why I said what I said a minute ago about this ball game. How many times have you and I, in years past of following this team, we will be sitting here making field goals and we'll be up six to nothing or we'll be up nine to nothing. The other team will get a big kickoff return for a touchdown and they're back in the game, right? And you and I'll be like, we let them stay in it. We let them stay in it. We let them stay in it. David, they were at the 35-yard line with nine minutes left in the game. Our 35, second and two, down 10 to six. That's what I mean when I say we were lucky to win this game. So before all the listeners think I've lost my mind, of course, when we flip the field to the defense, we're going to talk about, in my opinion, in the next four minutes of football, the defense wins this game for us from taking a 10-6 game to a 24-6 game. But before that, they're at the 35-yard line, dude, on second and two, five minutes into the second half, and they have gotten their butt kicked, and they're only losing by four points. Why? Because our offense didn't do what they were supposed to do in the first half to put their foot on their throat and put the game away. And so in a second, I'm going to talk about some Jalen Hurts because in my opinion, this game could have been lost by the ineffectiveness of our offense in the first half who finished the first half with only 10 points, which I think was 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 bad. No, I see I see what you're saying. I think there was opportunity, you know, opportunity left there. Uh, and, and the offense didn't play to the same, you know, standard, if you will, uh, as the defense. And, and the defense did, you know, make a significant contribution there. You know, I probably got some good things I want to I, I want to call out about 
uh, about Jalen, but it's it sounded like you had some thoughts to to weave in there as well. Why, why don't you why don't you kind of walk us down the Jalen path? Okay, so Jalen Hurts <clears throat> obviously okay he has made progress in his second year. In my opinion, he still struggles to see the whole field. He still focuses too much on Calvin Ridley. And so after watching it, you know, live in New Orleans, I came back and watched it uh, on the TV screen so I could go back and break down some of these plays. Man, th there was, you know, on the touchdown to Calvin Ridley is a great example, okay, early in the, early in the first quarter there. He's back in the pocket. He's got all day to throw the ball. There is no safety in the middle of the field, okay? And Calvin turns his man out, and he basically turns in for the ball, and the ball should have been released. Jalen, from, from the camera angle behind Jalen in the pocket, it looks like he is clearly looking at Calvin Ridley. When Calvin Ridley cuts back into the right, the ball should have been released. And when Calvin turns, the ball should have been waiting on him. But instead, he sits there and holds on to the ball. So either A, he doesn't see him, or B, he just reacts entirely too slowly. And he sits there, and he sits there, and he sits there. And then he finally has pressure, so he has to spin and run for his life um, because um, because uh, uh, Farrell is, is, beating down his, uh, is uh, beating down his neck. And so then, thank goodness, as he's scrambling, Calvin Ridley bails him out and goes across the, the goal line you know, runs runs horizontal across the uh, end zone. And thank goodness he sees him. And I think the only reason he saw him is because he was right in front of him. I, I, I think right. that I think that Jalen Hurts really struggles to see the whole field. There's a reason why Calvin really came into this game with 55 receptions and Bo Scarborough was the second on the team with 14. I mean, in my opinion, he looks for Calvin. He only looks for Calvin. And then when Calvin's not there, he takes off and scrambles. I mean, I just I, there there were there were other times there were other times in this game, man, where Damian Harris would uh, bleed out and, and and he'd be right there in the middle of the field, and it would be like you know second and five, and Damian was standing there and standing there and standing there, and Jalen Hurst didn't see him. He was waiting for Calvin to cut on a slant. He had Damian Harris right over the 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 line there waiting for the ball, just dump it to him. He didn't see the guy. More, like two plays in a row, Damian Harris did it. He didn't see him. And so, no, in my, so, so my opinion very quickly is in the first half, we didn't, uh, we didn't have the success that we should have had on offense because of his ineffectiveness as a passer. No, that's fair. And, and I think that um, – I think Jalen does continue to make, uh, you know, good progress. I think that – and that's a – you know, that play, you know, that's one of those saving specials, right? Everyone loves it because it um, – you know, because of the result. Um, but I think it also showed some good bad, some good Jalen, bad Jalen, right? And so, you know, could he or should he have, you know, all things being equal, seen and released the ball um, – you know, they're sort of at the at the first crease. Yeah, you can make a case for that. Uh, I think the fact that he, as he was running, uh, I think Jalen last year would not have thrown that ball. Uh, you know, for the, for the touchdown to, to Calvin, I think he would have you know tucked it and and you know been tackled there at the three or four. So I'm I'm not against what you said, 
but I do think it does show a little bit of his progression and uh, and the fact that he was you know willing and able to to put the ball up. You know, there was another play um, that would have gone for a touchdown uh, had and it was one of our big strikes or attempted strikes down the field that would have gone for a touchdown. You know, had he had he hit him in stride and. You know that that didn't happen. That would have been another opportunity to you know to tack on points. All right, let me so, let me touch on that for a quick second on the flea flicker, right? Because I went back on the when I watched it uh, again, I watched the replay. Yeah, the I flea. counted the number of steps, Dave. So when when the when uh, Damian pitches the ball back to Jalen, he took five steps back, and then he threw off his back foot, and so. You don't. So literally, Todd Blackledge called him out on it. He's like, if he just throws it on time, it's an easy touchdown. Okay. Later in the ball game, he had Robert yeah. Fou- Robert Foster on a play action pass. Robert Foster was going across the field. Yes. He sat yes. there and delayed throwing the ball, and then he threw it short. Once again, Todd Blackledge. God bless you, Todd Blackledge. Said, if he hits him on the run, it's a touchdown. So there's Calvin Ridley flea flicker touchdown. He missed it. Robert Foster touchdown. He missed it. Now let's go back to the second drive where we settled for a field goal. When Bo came in the game and we just talked about the runs wide and those things didn't work, right? Okay, great. Now you're sitting there third and goal at the six. Even after those, those lost plays, you're third and goal at the six. He's waiting for Calvin Ridley to come open. Bo Scarborough is standing at the two-yard line by the sideline. Nobody is on him. Jalen Hurts is eight yards in front of him. Bo is just standing there and standing there and standing there. And three seconds later, when Jalen looks his way, there's two guys covering him now. But had he thrown the ball to Bo Scarborough when he was first open at the two by himself, he could have tippy-toed and did his best ballerina impression and scored a touchdown. But instead, yeah. we had to settle for another field goal. You see I'm saying? So my point is, yeah. is if you put all these things together, dude, dude, we could have won this game by 40 points. We could have put this game away in the first half, and this game would have been done. Done. Right. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, I got to be fair here. I got to be fair. There was, we left a lot of points on the, on the table in the first half. A lot of points. That's fair. You're not. You're never going to get all of them, but <clears throat> but your point's valid. I think that you know I brings things to the table that another quarterback wouldn't. Uh, but then he maybe doesn't have some of the things that that you know that the other quarterback would. So um, I I think I think we net out in a good place with them. I just think when you think traditional pocket passing quarterback, which is what we've had at Alabama. Um, he, you know, that's not where his upside is. And so those are the things that maybe we've sort of trained ourselves to look for. Um, and he does all of this other dynamic stuff and brings a lot to the table. It's just not the meat and potatoes, right? Well, that I'm we're glad, sort of used to. I say, I'm, I'm glad you like said AJ. that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that very quickly because prior to missing Bo, when Bo had lost six yards on first and goal, it's now second and goal at the 14. Jalen Hurts scrambles on that play because there was nobody open, and he he tippy-toed down the sideline in a very athletic play and gained eight yards to make it third and goal at the six, right, that quarterbacks Mm -hmm. at Alabama before him could not Mm -hmm. have done. 
quarterbacks before him at Alabama would have thrown the ball into the bleachers and it would have been third and goal at the 14. So let me be clear. The guy has moves like you can't imagine, and his composure is off the charts. I've never seen anybody with his composure. Okay, And when he threw the ball to Calvin Ridley for the touchdown, I did sit there in the stands and say he wouldn't have done that last year. So I have to agree with you on that. He would have run out of bounds there and gotten some positive yards, but he wouldn't have thrown it to Calvin. But what frustrates me is, is that there were other opportunities where, you know, it just doesn't see like he's it doesn't seem like he's making his progressions and going to a second and third option. It seems like Calvin's the first option and 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 they're not really he he's not seeing the other guys. We don't see as much of that. I'll 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 give you that. And he's had weeks this year and you know, maybe the maybe it was a different defense where the defensive line wasn't as good you know, this season where he has shown that type of progression. But against a more stout defense, we don't see it as much. And that was my big fear going into this game. Is he going to feel, I use the term maybe overwhelmed, like he appeared in parts of the Auburn game and parts of, um, you know, the LSU game. And, and, and then, you know, the running option was him running the ball. And so I think that, I think, you know, the game plan to get the ball into someone else's hand, running the ball, settle him down a little bit. Um, you know, he, he performed better, you know, if you compare it to the Auburn game, and I, I haven't run the numbers, oh, sure. but just sure. his, his performance just seems, as, as a as not as a runner, but as a passer, his performance seems much better on just a one-to-one comparison. If you compare him to, you know, other games in the season, take Mississippi State, uh, even where the team struggled, he looked really good throwing the ball around. And he seemed more comfortable looked, in that game. He seemed yeah. more comfortable in that game. Now, now let me so, let me ask you this. No, go go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So there, there was there was on the fourth drive of the first quarter, we had a second and ten at the Clemson thirty-four, and this is the drive that he threw the pass to Calvin Ridley later. Second and ten, we throw the ball to Irv Smith for six yards and make it a more a doable third and four, okay? The reason I ask you about that is because, in my opinion, that was a play that was a quick play. It was designed to go to Irv Smith. It was an easy pass. Irv Smith has shown his ability to catch the ball as a mismatch against the linebackers. Guess how many times we attempted that easy pass that gave him a quick progression of where to go to with the ball? Well, I think Irv had one catch. So. Yes, that was the only catch. But why, why yeah. did we not do that more to give him some comfort? You see what I'm saying? It was an easy yeah. pass. We went to it one time. He was wide open. Yeah. We didn't go back to it the rest of the ball game. Now, I got another one for you. Henry Ruggs caught two passes for 25 yards. On both of those passes, we uh, rolled Jalen out of the pocket. We gave him another uh, uh, another launch point to to be able to to you know to survey that you know got him got him away from the offense and defensive line got him out of the pocket gave him some comfort level in my opinion we only did that twice the whole ball game so I would say just to be fair right if he's not a pocket passer and he's an athletic guy we need to roll him out five to ten times a game let him throw uh, some passes from outside the pocket. And I think he would have some more success. 
Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there's all there's always sort of the things that, that we can do. I do like, you know, getting him in motion because that can suck up the defense too because he has the reputation as a runner. So just rolling him out will present as he's running. And I think there's definitely some things, you know, that um, – you know that we that we can see there. I think that, and and this is a this is sort of a almost at this at this stage, right? There's one more game. We're not going to reinvent what we do. No. Um, and his his level of you know progression, so to speak, is is going to be you know is I mean he sort of is what it is what he is. I mean that doesn't mean he can't have a really good day. It just but right now he sort of is what he is. And so what what I, and man, I'll say this. Um, and then I think we unpack it at another time, but I think, I think it's quarterback competition in spring, in spring practice. I, I'm with you. I, I guess here's my frustration. His final stats were 16 of 24, right? Once again, he didn't throw right. an interception. Okay. And so not only does he show all this composure, which I'm sure the team feeds off of, and yes, he can Absolutely. make, and he can make, you know, he can make, you know, like he had a 19 yard carry that was a great play in the game. And he, and he didn't throw a pick, right? He, he protects the ball. He, he doesn't give the ball away, which is critical to Saban, right? But he only had, mm-hmm. of his 16 passes, it was only 120 yards. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, for, for, for whatever reason, he only had the, uh, he only had six attempts of 10 yards or longer downfield. And of the six attempts, he completed three of them. Now, we just talked about two of them should have been for touchdowns. Of the of the, of the the uh, three he completed, two should have been for touchdowns. But, you know, another thing I'd like to see him do more in this game, which they didn't, okay, and I'm not giving sour grapes. I'm happy we won the game. I'm just saying that that the defense played so well that we should have run them out of the damn Superdome sure. is what I'm saying. And and the other thing we didn't do enough of, in my opinion, is we didn't do enough play action. Because when you do have play action, he's not running for his life uh, with an athletic team. Like it, it gave him time to sit in the pocket and go through his progressions. You see what right. I'm saying? Like when when he when he had the pass to Robert Foster, which just got underthrown, it was on a play action, and it worked. And and AJ McCarron, dude, he's in the NFL now because of the play action, in my opinion, in Alabama, because hey, the play action was, the play action was so successful. And so if you've got a guy that is the you know that that needs, I don't, I just think it would help his. Um, his uh, ability to stretch the field if they did more if they did more play action. Yep. No, I think that's fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna inches away from the, that topic a little bit, but uh, but I'm, I'm gonna throw a nod at Jalen and also to the play calling with this. This has sort of been a fun stat that we've brought out most of the season, and and we look at the different players that have caught uh, passes, and so you know you think of 16 passes. And a lot of focus on on Calvin, but there were actually nine receivers that caught the ball. And the mix I thought was is pretty interesting. There were three wide receivers, one tight end, four running backs, and a defensive lineman. Which we'll talk about that you know in a minute too because that was something to see. But you know you think about sixteen uh, you know completions. Uh, hitting nine different guys that's spreading the ball pretty good, and that's that multiple that we uh, have been talking about. No, you are correct, and and like one of those went to Najee Harris, and it was his only play of the game, yes. I believe. 
Uh, but yes. you know, it was great to bring him in on that play, and his one catch went for 22 yards. And um, you know, there were some good play calls here, and and it was good to spread the ball around to this yes. many guys. Talk about uh, a little bit about, or, or I want your opinion on. You know, there was a couple times in this game that we we went to uh, our unbalanced line where where we brought in. You know, when when it was like we need to we need to get a first down here, uh, we would bring in Jedrick Wills uh, at right tackle. And we would move Matt Womack over there outside of Jonah Williams, and we'd bring in, you know, Hale and Irvin Smith. And it was like, you know, we're running the ball and try to stop us. And we only did it twice in the game. And we literally like steamrolled them. I guess we did it three times. We steamrolled them twice. And then one time on fourth and a yard, you know, we easily got the first down. What'd you think about that, man? I thought that was nice. And I would have liked to have seen that a couple more times. Um, I, I, I love the, you know, that's kind of like the whole I formation look, but it's just a little different with the unbalanced line. But how did, how did you like that in the game? No, I do like that. That is, that is, you know, that's the type of formation that is highly situational. You know, you're not going to roll out on a first and 10 and do something like that. I don't, I don't think. And so I think it's highly situational. It's the kind of thing that, yeah, I'd like to see that more, but you know, there's only a certain amount of, you know, circumstances or situations like that that are going to come up. And it, and it's probably not your go-to formation in those plays. And so, you know, seeing it three is not a lot, you know, had it been, you know, four, five, you know, there's, you reach a point where it's too many, I guess, I don't know, but I like that as a formation. I like that as challenge to the offense and and you know and it's a challenge to the defense as well right you kind of know what we're going to do we're going to line up and we're going to play this is just kind of old school line up and man on man and, and beat your man and and you know we're either going to get it or we're not everyone knows what's about to happen um i, like I, I guess that. i'm I, I guess i'm saying in the first quarter when we had first and goal with the three i would love for us to have lined up in that three times in a row and said, try to stop us. We're just going to run three yards and score a touchdown. No, I think that's fair, right? I think you can get into circumstances. You can get into situations like that where you can, you know, I mean, you know, you and I say this in the stands all the time, line it up, run it again. Whatever That what you did there, again, and we've heard, how many times have we heard high school coaches sort of blow the whistle and they're doing it out of frustration, but, you know, <laughs> You know, line it up, run it again. Well, sometimes, you know, you get two, three, four yards on on a physical run. Hell yeah, line that up and run it again. So I agree. And, you know, you get sort of inside the, you know, the the four to six yard line and you've got, you know, a couple downs to burn. Yeah, let's run that two or three times. I, I agree. Um, and and that's a fun one to see. I like I like, you know, Damian, you know, supermaning over the top for the first down. And I swear he was trying to to land into the linebacker so that he could get his feet back under him. It looked like as soon as he hit the linebacker, he was trying to get that foot out there so he could sort of land and and run. Um, I like that tenacious attitude that uh, that he has, and it was good to see him sort of sky for the for the first down there. No, absolutely. Real quick, you know, on, on Jalen Hurts on that on that one nineteen yard carry he had, I, I, I failed to mention that that was another wrinkle that had been brought in. Josh Jacobs had motioned from the slot on the left uh, into the backfield uh, yes. next to Damian Harris. And because Jalen is so athletic, you know, they did kind of an option look off of that. 
And it really gave uh, the defensive end, you know, fits for Clemson because now they're faking the trap, you know, to one back. And now they're you're bringing the, they're coming wide to the right. And with Jalen, him being able to pitch it, I'd like to see some of that against Georgia. Just a couple times bring that in the game because um, I, I think that that could be successful, that little option package. No, that that you know that you're you're exactly right. The triple option there is not something we've seen a lot of. You know, he did fake the handoff to Damian up the middle, and then you know, sort of fake the pitch. Uh, like you said, to sort of you know to keep the end honest on on Jacobs, which created a running lane, you know, for Jalen and and Jalen, you know, did you know like you said, he got that 19 yard run there. And what what was impressive in in Jacobs is. You know, you know, Jalen went to pitch the ball and then cut up, and, and so he was ahead of uh, of Jacobs as, as a result of that. And Jacobs, you know, sort of Jacobs took up took off running. He didn't just stop; he took off running to catch up with the play. He sort of bodied a man that was coming at um, Jalen to to block there. And as Jalen sort of stepped to go out of bounds, you know, Jacobs went by him and blocked another man, and so. Um, I don't know if I stole somebody's mini game ball on that one, but the fact that that he came in and uh, blocked two people on that play, I thought that was impressive and showed sort of a spirit of, you know, competition there. Um, you know, that I mean, you get a gold star for that, um, you know, because you ex- executed the play to perfection. No, absolutely, man. Uh, well, what else you got on offense before we do those mini game balls? I've been sitting on that triple option thing, and then you went right to it. And you had mentioned that play twice, and I was like, yeah, he hasn't mentioned that. And uh, and then you came is back. That your mini, is that going to be your mini game ball for that play? No, it is not. It is not. Okay. I have a different uh, – All right, well, I'm going to do mine before you steal mine. Before you steal mine. And so okay. um, I, mine has to go to Deron Payne. And I don't care that he's not, you know, uh, I don't <laughs> okay. care that he's not mini game ball worthy. And if you want to do it, you know, if you want to double down, that's all good. But – you know, number one, I've heard for a year, right, that the Clemson pick play on the line of, uh, to, you mm-hmm. know, throwing to Hunter Renfro with one second left of the game was legal, right? And I've heard it so much I'm sick of it. And so I don't know if they put this wrinkle in just to be a smart aleck or what, but it was obvious a pick play by us. It was <laughs> obvious should have been called, but I thought it was great. I mean, Quentin Williams – literally just steamrolled through both of those guys. Uh, it was a worse pick play than Clemson should have got called for. And so the fact that we scored a touchdown on a pick play to a defensive lineman in a very obvious we're picking you fashion after we lost with one second last year to them, dude, that was awesome. I, I totally love that. No, I it, I hear what you're saying, and that was an awesome play too, and, that, and that's well worth a, a mini game ball. I think that – I look at it a little differently. And if I'm, if I'm, and I'm not trying to wear a Homer's hat here, I'm really not at it as that's a running formation. And those are fullbacks essentially, and they're defensive linemen, but they're lined up in, in a fullback position. And, and Quinnen, he, he blocked the defensive end and he didn't go downfield to do it. He blocked the defensive end at the line and it had every appearance of a run play. When you've got two wide receivers, a slot and a wide out that are 10 yards, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, 
they're, that's not a run play. They're not run blocking. There's no pretense that that's a run block. But when your fullback comes off the tackle's ass and, and plugs someone, that ha- that is what run blocking is. So, I I mean, and, and it wasn't an illegal block downfield. That was just a run pass option where the fullback took out the end and the second fullback became the, the receiving target. So I don't know if that's going to come across to homerism, but I just see that completely different. All good, man. Hey, you know what? We didn't get a yellow. We didn't get a yellow handkerchief and, um, and, and we did it back to them. So I, 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 I can see your side of it, but I think that if Quentin Williams would have stayed kind of at the line of scrimmage and wouldn't drove the guy into the cornerback, you know, five yards down the field it is why I think they could have called it. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad they didn't. And then, yeah. and then when Deron Payne kind of like, you know, tippy toed both feet inbounds yes. inside the end zone. Oh, that yes. was freaking awesome. Are you, that was great, man. That, that, was, that was awesome. It was, well, and, and I get that, you know, I get, you know, why he did it. It was completely unnecessary, but it was no less awesome. <laughs> it was, he was like, this is my spotlight and I'm taking it. So it was, I'm it taking was every ounce of this spotlight. It was great. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, give me your mini bank. I, I, I am, uh, no, I'm giving my mini game ball. And I think this is, this is worthy of, of a minute of conversation just by itself, but I'm giving it to JC Hassenauer. Uh, uh Lester Cotton went down with an injury. Lester was having, I think a really, really good day. And uh, and JC came in and um, and there was really no you know perceivable drop off. And you know what's interesting, and sometimes I don't know if it's just like the luck of Saban or or just you know kind of how you know a plan comes together sometimes, but you know Hassenauer is fresh from playing because he he stepped in for Pierschbacher. uh you know for is is you know a couple of games and he performed very very well in that capacity. And so the fact that he, you know, he wasn't a guy that's been sitting on the bench all season. He's a guy that's played very recently. And Oh, by the way, we need you to step in and, and, and play guard at the other side. And it just felt like, Oh, okay. I mean, I hope cotton's okay, but I don't feel bad about a house an hour being in there. And so I give him a mini game ball just because he, he came in, there was no drop off. If he has to play in the national championship, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. Uh, I'm going to, you know, there's a reason Lester Cotton's the starter, and I think he's the bigger, more physical guy. But I mean, hell, you know, Hassenauer was SEC lineman of the week. Um, so you know, you can't argue with that. Um, uh, you know, and I don't know if you want, if we want to talk about that a little bit, but I, I, I just give a nod for him stepping in. You know, it was another week where he probably didn't think he was going to play, and then he was thrust into, uh, you know, a pivotal, uh, uh you know, role. No, sure. Um, Lester was having a great day. Uh, Lester was uh, his his physicality, his strength at the point of attack uh, against Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence was needed inside because I I, I was concerned about those two guys. And Lester was having a great game, and so yeah. um, it was nice that that when JC did come into the game, you know that it was a twenty four six ball game uh, versus yeah. you know a seven six ball game. Um, but but right. but definitely uh, definitely hope that uh, that Lester can uh, you know can can be healthy and and I, I hope they have both of them as you know options for the game. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell, Lester, go ahead. I was gonna say Lester's physicality. He's as le- athletic, uh, and and he's certainly bigger. But his his physicality reminds me of a Chance Warmack. 
Yes. Yes. And and I think he's he's uh he's equally as strong as Chance Warmack. Yep. And um, you know, he, he was going against, you know, two big defensive tackles. And uh Christian Williams, you know, you know, new starter backup last year, uh Dexter Lawrence, six five, three hundred and forty pounds. Uh, you know, was the defensive, you know, player uh, uh, in the country last year coming out of high school. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a beast. Uh, hopefully he'll leave after his junior year. Um, but he had, you know, I, I was definitely concerned going into this game uh, about our two guards and, 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 and center matching up with Wilkins yep. and Lawrence, for sure. Well, talk to me about defense. What, what, what jumps out at you on defense? Because obviously – you know that that pivotal four minutes in the in the third quarter, you know, took a seven six or took a ten six ball game and and kind of changed it completely. You know, I think <clears throat> I think there were a couple sort of key moments on uh, you know on the defense. Certainly, you know, the two interceptions. Um, you know, that was a, a pivotal sequence. I think um, I think one of in in light of those because they both sort of yielded touchdowns and that's sexier headline but i think i think one of the pivotal you know moments in the game was when there was the fumble when jalen and uh and damian sort of had the faux pas on the exchange the ball was on the 20 i mean they could have lined up and kicked a field goal just right straight up right there um and you think oh and and it was a it was a tight ball game it was a it was a one score game and the fact that the defense not only held them but but pushed them back, uh, you know, they got the ball in the twenty, they kicked from the twenty-five, and so uh, I you don't hear of this very often, but they they ran for negative two, and then passed for negative three. I don't know how often you see a pass play result in negative three, but that's pretty darn impressive. Um, and you know, it was ten to three at that point. Now they got the field goal. I think we would have given them the field goal, you know, on first down. Uh, so we didn't like it being 10-6, but we like it better than it being 10-10. And, Tommy, I thought, you know, this is this is one of those things coming out of half. We had the possession. We were dominating, you know, the time of possession. We were dominating the ball. We were constraining their their offense. All of those things were sort of stacked in, in our favor. But the score was close. And had they, uh, had they punched that in, I, it, it potentially is a different outcome. And so I think that was a pivotal sequence there uh, by the defense. And then obviously, you know, two touchdowns in four minutes, you're never going to argue with that. Not at all. But, you know, I, I'm gr I'm glad that, you know, Kelly Bryant, first-year starter, was the guy in that situation. Oh, because, yeah. Because, you know, if, if we had the other Clemson quarterback from last year, I, I think it would have been a different circumstance. And um, you know this guy. This guy was rattled. And on third and fifteen at the twenty-five, when he ran for no gain, he came off the sideline to an earful from Dabo Sweeney. And the camera showed Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney dressing him down. And I got to tell you, Saban needs to dress down Jalen Hurts some. Okay, sometimes he needs to get in his in his ear and 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 chew him out a little bit the way he did quarterbacks that were you know that preceded him. Um, and so kudos to Dabo for doing that because I'd like to see us do that. You know, I'd like to see Saban jump on some guys more offense and defensive side of the ball, you know, when needed. Um, but I do think sure. that was a, I, I do think that was a key moment there that occurred. And, 
you know, I, I will tell you that in that four-minute sequence in the third quarter there, you know, it was a 10-6 game, and they were on our 35-yard line. And so, you know, Anthony Jennings, you know, made a made a huge play there. You know, when yes. the freshman when the freshman tailback, you know, blew, you know, blew his blocking assignment, right? How many times we talk about young running backs are not in the game in key moments because, you know, of their their pass yep. protection. But for Anthony Jennings yep. to get to that guy before he can release the ball so that so it's not an incomplete pass. And then Deron Payne having the presence of mind because of his athleticism, which we saw, you know, years ago, to be able to catch mm-hmm. that ball like he did, you know, that was huge. And um yes, you know, that that was a that was a game changer because this was still a close game. And um, and then on the very next series, you know, Levi Wallace, as you've talked about, you know, former walk-on, you know, he had a tough matchup. Because he was, it was, it was going to be in this ball game, you know, uh, the Deion Kane Levi Wallace show, and you know Deion yes, Kane yes. was their guy, and and you know they were going to pick on Levi Wallace. They were that's the guy they were going to pick on, and so Deion Kane had caught a couple balls early, and on that play, Levi Wallace played great uh, coverage. He got his hand around Deion Kane. He didn't grab a jersey. He didn't do pass interference. He got his hand around there and tipped the ball in the air. And then Mac Wilson, man, who I want to talk about here in a minute, you know, no surprise. Mac Wilson's Johnny on the spot the way Deron Payne was and, uh, you know, got the ball out of the air and, and took it to the house. And so yeah. uh, I think at that point, uh, you know, game was over. I mean, Clemson's heads were down and, and that, that, was, that was a knockout punch. No, I, you kicked off a couple of sparks there. I, you know, Anthony Jennings, again, Deron Payne had the interception and, you know, the big man lumbering downfield. That's what everyone remembers. But Anthony Jennings had a phenomenal day or was having a phenomenal day just anyways. And when he hit Kelly Bryant on that play, you know, we've both heard the expression, you know, defensive coaches say, tackle the spot that's six inches behind the ball carrier. So you're tackling through the ball carrier. And that just just watching that play kind of over and over again, that's what Anthony Jennings did. He he was running through Kelly Bryant like he was a paper mache wall or something. Um and 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 then it just caused the the errant throw. I thought his play all by itself, if the ball just dribbled harm, harmlessly down on the ground, that play by itself was pretty darn impressive. And in the fact that it ended in in the turnover. That's what Saban, you know, when Saban lays awake at night and thinks about affecting the quarterback, that's that's what he thinks about. No, absolutely, man. And 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 to, you know, to stick on Anthony Jennings for a minute, um, you know, these Bama guys had time to get healthy, and, yes. and Jennings is one of the many linebackers who you know has missed time uh, throughout the season, and so he looked healthy. And this is the guy that I think they saw in you know and, you know, fall camp. And this is the guy that I think that this is what they, okay. In this game, he played like a guy who was finally healthy and it's a shame he got, you know, banged up here at the end. He's a guy that, that looked healthy for the first time all season. And I got to tell you, because obviously with his physique, you know, going in, uh, he's, you know, this is a, this is a guy that has reminded me, um, of, you know, uh, this is a guy that has reminded me for a while of a guy that has the potential 
to be the next Courtney Upshaw player for Alabama because he's 6'3", 260 pounds. And, um, you know, this is a big loss for them next week, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. But um, it was this was by far his best game of the season. No, you're exactly right. And, and the commentators, you know, made the, uh, you know, made the comparison as well. You know, if this guy, you know, sort of, you know, probably ought to remind you of, you know, one Courtney Upshaw and, um, you know, and he certainly does. And, and he'll be missed. Uh, you know, the other linebacker, you know, Mac, I thought played really, really well. Uh, you know, Christian Miller was in there. I didn't really see a lot necessarily from him. Uh, you know, Terrell Lewis, uh, you know, was in there. Um, we're going to need to see more from them, and, and and we can certainly you know talk about that. You know, you talked about you talked about Levi and the matchup that he had uh, with uh, you know with the receiver Kane. Uh, I th- I thought that I got the impression that, <clears throat> and and they were right. I got the impression that they were definitely picking on you know Levi Wallace. You know, he had six tackles, two pass deflections, and so he rose to the occasion. But do you think it's interesting that? If that was maybe that's the matchup that they wanted, but then it it wasn't. I mean, and they caught a pass or two against them, but it wasn't working the way that they wanted to work. Why don't you think they tried to move him around or try to create a, a mismatch somewhere else? Well, but I think when they looked at the matchup, right, they weren't going to pick on Anthony Averett, and um, they weren't going to pick on Mika. And so if you've got your choice between Wallace and Mika and Averett, you're going to go Levi Wallace. And and so what let me But why would you not pick on and, and and I'm asking, right? Why would you not pick on Anthony Averett? He's the guy that turned his ankle stepping off the bus into a, into a pothole and you know by the time they got to practice that day on that Friday before the game, he couldn't even walk. He had to be helped into, you know, training. And, and so, you know, there was some question as to, you know, whether or not, you know, what level of ability, you know, is this guy going to be able to have on the field? And so why don't you intentionally try to test him out? And, you know, he had a couple tackles, but I don't know. I don't, I don't recall them intentionally going at Anthony Averett. And I just found that very interesting. Well, I think um, to your point, it wouldn't have hurt to try to see how the ankle was doing for Averett. It wouldn't have hurt to take Ray Ray McLeod and Deion Kane and switch them, right? And and try to go either either have Ray Ray go against a- Anthony Averett or or move Deion Kane over there to uh, to try to have him go at Averett. And to your point, they could have they could have done that early in the game and just said, let's just do a check. Let's just let's do just a check. let's just check and see here how's he doing. And if he makes a play, then okay, okay, he's better. So let's go, you know, let's go pick on the red, you know, the walk on, the former walk on now. So right. that that is interesting. Now I got to tell you, and uh, so I do agree with you there. Um, I have to tell you that a few nights ago, uh, I was listening to the uh, interviews before the game, and I was listening to the interviews of the select players and coaches, and and obviously one of the players for the defensive side of the ball was Minka Fitzpatrick, and during this interview. He talks about the fact that he's going to stay at the star. And you and I did not have a chance to talk about this before the game, but we talked about the fact that last year had Eddie Jackson not got hurt, then I think we would have won the national championship. Because when Eddie Jackson got hurt and they they proceeded to to take uh Mika and move Mika to the safety, Hunter Renfro 
ate us up on third and short, right? Five or six third down conversions. And so in this game, a healthy Minka Fitzpatrick who comes back from, you know, from, from his hammy, um, his ability to line up in the star and play on Hunter Renfro and shut Hunter Renfro down, I think was a huge difference in this game. Hunter Renfro finishes with five catches on the game, but dude, he didn't have his first catch of the ball game till the start of the fourth quarter. Right. No, he was definitely shut down. And, and you know, when you talk about Minka, uh, you know, and some of this is going to be injury and some of this is going to be, um, you know, play calling. But we only sent Minka after the quarterback just a couple of times. And, and more recently, we've been playing him. And again, it's injury, hamstring. We've been playing him much closer to the box. We've been sending him after after the quarterback much more aggressively, and so you know you start to you start to study film on that, and you start to maybe expect that. Nearly every snap in coverage, um, and that's a great place for him to be, right? Because he's so talented uh, at it, and it also sort of shows his versatility, um, you know, compared to what he had been doing. But I, that puts a lot more talent. Uh, coverage talent out in the field as opposed to, you know, sneak attacking the quarterback. Oh, absolutely, man. But in this in this interview he did before the game, he talked about last year in the national championship game that sometimes he was covering grass. Why? Because he was 25 yards off the ball, and, and he's your best player in the back of the defense. Well, if he's playing center field 25 yep. yards off the, off, off the ball and all he's doing is covering blades of grass – Right, while Hunter Renfro is Wes Welker in your ass to death, and so in my opinion, when Hootie Jones went down at the end of the Auburn game, my first thought was, "Oh my gosh, they're gonna move Mika where Hootie was." Yeah, and the fact that they took Deontay Thompson and coached yeah. him up over the past month, as you and I've talked about, right? It's like a whole nother fall camp, right? He's had four weeks. Mike Mika was talking about in his press conference how every day after practice, Deontay was like, "Hey, Mika, you want to go watch film?" Hey, Mika, can yep. we go watch film? Do you have a few minutes? Mika said he spent 30 to 45 minutes every day for the past month with Deontay Thompson. Right? Kudos, Deontay oh, Thompson, yeah. because it allowed Minka to stay five yards off the ball. Now, you ask about Minka not rushing the quarterback. In my opinion, the reason he didn't have to rush the quarterback is because Terrell Lewis – uh, and Christian Miller were healthy for the first time after missing twelve ball games. And Christian, Anthony Jennings as well. Yes. I think also you don't want to I think also you don't want to flush a mobile quarterback. No, you don't, but I will tell you, man, that that in my opinion, okay, we have in the first ball game, we had five sacks against the Florida State quarterback with a mm -hmm. healthy Christian Miller and Terrell uh Hall. We have our Terrell, Terrell Lewis, excuse sure. me now. We have not had that. Uh, presence and so, in my opinion, we had to send Mika because we had to try to get pressure on the quarterback. Now, here's the other thing: uh, you know, with Dylan Moses getting hurt a week ago after he had kind of taken over for Sean Deon Hamilton, what a blessing for Mac Wilson mm -hmm. to be able yes. to get healthy over the past month after having foot surgery the day after the LSU game. Now, we talk about Anthony Jennings and him reminding me of Courtney Upshaw. Mac Wilson will be the next Dante Hightower.
he looks like Dante Hightower when he was young. He said, Mac Wilson, this guy is going to be an absolute beast next year. year In my opinion, he had foot surgery. So, guess what? Like Dante Hightower happened in this ballgame. Yes, yes. He's a young Dante Hightower stay in coverage. And so, Mac Wilson, but because of Mac Wilson, and because of his comfort level in the middle of the field and what he had shown to do before that foot surgery, it allowed Rashawn Evans to roll to roam all over the line of scrimmage. And they put him to the left and rushed the quarterback. And they put him to the right and rushed the quarterback. Yes. And guess what? Last year against Clemson, he didn't get to do that because he had to play for Sean Deion Hamilton. And so, yep. in my opinion, the other story behind the story in this game is Rashawn Evans got to be Rashawn Evans because of Mac Wilson. And, and he ended up having a phenomenal game. He got a sack, a pass deflection, and nine tackles. So, you know, unleashed to sort of do what he does, he did pretty good. Yes, but what they did was is they put Mac Wilson by himself, the only linebacker in the middle of the field, and they left right. him on an island by himself. And they were okay with that, David, because they had Tony Brown in and a dime, and they had Mika in. And so they said, okay, we're going to put one linebacker, Mac Wilson. We're going to do a dime in the back on third and 10. And we've got Mac help because we got six DBs in the game. And then they were able to get pressure on the quarterback with only four guys. Right. And so that, that I don't know that. I, I don't know. And I'm not mad at Dylan Moses, and I'm certainly not happy that he's injured. Uh, I'd rather have him, you know, in the stable. But I don't know that had Dylan been available and Mac not felt comfortable doing that with with Moses at this stage in his development. I mean, he's still a true freshman versus a sophomore. No, to be fair to Dylan Moses, Jeremy Pruitt also said in his interview that Dylan Moses had been asked to step in and they had moved him inside because of the injuries. So in my opinion, because Sean Deion Hamilton goes down and Mac Wilson goes down at the same time, you have to move Dylan Moses inside. I think Dylan Moses is more comfortable outside. And so, yeah. and so I don't think he has the same comfort level at the middle linebacker position as he does, you know, at the will position. And so I think the That's will fair. position backing up Rashawn Evans is his, is going to be his position. Now, what's fun to sense. think about, what's fun to think about is while it's going to be tough to lose Rashawn Evans, it's nice to think next year about a team with Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson on the field at the same time. With Chris, with Christian and, and Anthony. And Terrell. And Terrell. And Terrell. Yes. Terrell. yes. Holy wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's gonna be that's gonna be impressive. I don't know how you pick a starting group out of that bunch, but um it'd be like hockey hockey lines, right? We'll have, we'll have, we'll have two that can go. So um so that'll be that that's nice. Uh what do you think? Um anything else on defense or or you want to go mini game ball? Very quickly, not only did um not only did uh, a guy like Mac Wilson step up, but Raquan Davis. Yes. had a phenomenal game, and we can't leave yes. this show without saying it. And so because we had uh, LeBron Ray back, who who got a couple snaps, and because we had Quentin Williams, and we had Bugs, and because we had missed, because we had Terrell Lewis and Christian Miller back, we were able to keep guys like Isaiah, Isaiah Bugs fresh, right? Fresh and Pond fresh, and Deshaun Hand fresh. And Raekwon Davis, dude, um, they played him man-on-man. And he kept beating solo uh, solo blockers one-on-one. -on -one. 
And uh, this is this is the guy that, you know, when he came here, we said, this guy's a, a beast, right? This guy's a beast. Well, you know, Todd Blackledge was talking about in practice last week. He was talking and talking smack. And I, I can't remember which of the leaders on the defense turned to him and said, Raekwon, you're the biggest talker we have. Stop talking and just go make plays. Well, guess what? I don't know what they said to him, and I don't know what day of the week it was last week. But dude had a great freaking ball game. And he's a specimen at 6'7", 306 pounds. And I'm just so happy for the guy because he played a hell of a football game. No, I agree. I, you know, I, you know, one comment. I was going to work this in on defense, and and I haven't yet, so I'm just going to hit it now. Um, you know, I saw Saban after it was really after the the game telecast. He was on, you know, uh, Scott Van Pelt's, um, you know, late night Sports Center, and he did like a four minute hit there. And uh, you know, Saban sort of by the book, and you can almost one of his press conferences sound like you know the next one. You can almost you know, anticipate sort of the cadence of, of what he's going to say. But, uh, you know, one of the things that he said, and he said it three times, and it really jumped out to me because it's not a word that he uses all the time. And then to, to repeat it, uh, it was surprising to me, but um, he called he called it a ferocious defensive performance. And, uh, and to me, that sort of speaks to how pleased and proud he was of the defensive performance. He knew that the defense, just like we've talked about, he knew that the defense, you know, shouldered the load, that they had a tough challenge. They rose to the occasion. He was so pleased, and then he branded it, you know, a ferocious performance. And then in the SEC uh, teleconference, and so a couple of days later, when he's had a chance to sort of, you know, de decompress from the moment, he used the word ferocious again. And he was asked, um, and this is Saban who, who, you know, when you ask him to compare – he, he hates, you know, despises, you know, comparison questions. And uh, but he he jumped into a comparison question and, um, you know, he he compared or he marked as two of his, you know, most memorable defensive performances, um, you know, Monday night in the in, in the, the playoff game against Clemson. And uh, he put that on par with 2011 LSU uh, beating uh, beating LSU for the, the national title that night, coincidentally also in in New Orleans, that's uh, that's pretty high praise, and and for Saban to use that word and repeat it, you know, four times across those those sessions, he must really be pleased with how that uh, that defensive performed, and I think that sets the stage well, uh, you know, for them to compete this Monday night. No man, that that those are not words you normally hear Saban use, and for him to for him to say ferocious twice um, is is definitely a big deal for sure. Um, give me give me your uh, mini game ball. Who who you got for that? I, I've got, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, you know to one of our listeners, uh, you know Huntsville's own the Honorable uh, Judge Will Powell. Um, you know he he sent a message and said you know we need to give mini game balls to the entire defense. For their performance on the the three and out that, that we talked about uh, after the after the fumble and and I think he's right. We've got two guys and we mentioned both of them uh, that could that could be you know equal candidates for the mini game ball. I'm going uh, I'm going Anthony Averett. Here's a guy that might not would have played, uh, but he did. I, there was an interview with him and and um, and he said that he you know even during the game he was playing through some pain, but the fact that he went out there. The level. I mean, we talked about maybe they should have taken a shot at him. I think they should. 
but he played at such a level that you have to think with them watching them, they didn't they didn't sort of change their mind. They didn't say, hey, he's playing off or, hey, he's not covering or, hey, he can't cut or, hey, he can't do this. Uh, he, he demonstrated none of that. So they didn't even take a shot at it, which, you know, if I were them, I probably still would have. But the, the fact that he rose to the occasion as well, uh, tip of the hat, uh, mini game ball to Anthony Averett. Uh, the, the type of story, and it's why we do mini game balls, right? It's the type of thing that gets lost in the wash, uh, but, you know, contributed, I think, mightily to the, the overall defensive performance. All right, man. Well, I got I got two real quick. Uh, first of all, we, we talked about Terrell Lewis, right. and we talked about Christian Miller and their effect coming back. Well, Terrell Lewis was in the game on the fifth play of the game, and it was on a third down play. Uh, on defense, and he proceeded to to come in uh, uh, very often uh, on third downs early in the game, and then later in the game he started coming in on second, you know, first and second downs as well. He almost had an interception. Um, he got credited with the pass deflection instead. Um, he only had two tackles on the day, uh, but he was in the backfield constantly. Uh, one play uh, on one play where. Uh, Kelly Bryant scrambles for his longest carry of the day. You know, he chases him from the backfield, you know, yes. 20 yards down the field. And this guy's going to be a stud. We we said it last year when he would come in and mop up duty against the non-conference opponents and, you know, have five tackles in, in the fourth quarter. And so we knew this guy was going to be a stud. And uh, glad to see him back in this game. And then also to your boy, Deontay Thompson. Uh, as we talked about, Deontay Thompson, yep. credit to you for seizing your opportunity in your first start of your career because had you not stepped up, Hunter Renfro would have beat our butt with a sledgehammer again, uh, third and four, third and five, and third and six. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think Deontay Thompson was a was a huge, a, a huge uh, key in this game to come in and to uh, and to you know to try to play for Hootie Jones. You know, I was I was wavering between you know Anthony and Deontay for my mini game ball, so I'm glad you got him in here. Let let me just ask this question: Is um, he's got to he's got to learn the playbook, and and he is, but um, so you kind of yes or no? Is he an upgrade over Hootie Jones? All things being equal, all things being equal, I think that he has better range. Um, Hootie. There, right now, he has better range. He doesn't have the same knowledge of the defense that Hootie does. Hootie probably, um, at the beginning of the season, Deontay Thompson probably wasn't tackling quite the way that that maybe he wanted to. I think he's actually worked on that a lot. And so, in what I saw the other night, I think it was an upgrade as to this stage of the season. But I wouldn't have said that six weeks ago. Fair. I think that. Yeah, it does. I, I think that's fair. I just the more I thought about it, uh, you know, and again, I never root for injury, especially you know our own guys. Uh, I, I like the depth. I like to have the full stable. I like the consistency of of the players that are out there and used to performing with with one another. The fact that we had you know more of the bowl practice uh, allowed a guy like that to step in and, and get some more reps. Um, and, and I was of the mindset and had we done a pregame show, we would have talked about it there. I was of the, of the mindset that, Hey, if he gets it down, if he's far enough sort of in his time on the team, his time in the system 
that if he gets it, then it's an upgrade. Um, but but we have to we have to see that. And I think that uh, and I'll sort of double down on this. I think that we're losing just a flat ton of guys from the secondary this year. And the fact that Deontay Thompson can come in and get some get some reps and some starts in these high pressure packed games, um, he's going to be one of the starters next year and maybe one of the stars of the defense next year. No, absolutely, because like we talked about, right, we're going to lose, you know, four cornerbacks and, and one safety. Or excuse me, two safeties. We're, we're basically losing six DBs, right. um, which is, you know, huge. Um, let's flip the field to special teams real quick. Uh, let's let's right. talk about your boy, J.K., uh, Clemson's average starting field position uh, at the, in this game was their own 25-yard line. And uh, I think J.K. Scott had a lot to do with that. You know, he did have a lot to do with that. And um, – and you know, I always kind of go in and 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 look at the stats. Uh, you know, so I so I have them, and I was kind of surprised that his stats were subpar because what I remember of the game is that they did start further back um, so much of the contest. But out of his, you know, I think he had what six punts and averaged thirty-five yards uh, a punt, none inside the twenty. So it wasn't even him trying to you know, a short kick uh, for the sake of uh, keeping it in the 20. So none were inside the 20, and his long was only 41. And and, and so I, I, it's hard to sort of juxtapose, you know, the net is they were backed up, but, but you know, J.K. didn't have an outstanding night. Um, you know, it was all that we needed, which is good. We've needed him to flip the field for us before. Unfortunately, we did not need a whole lot of that. But I just thought that was a very – you know, for JK, I thought that was a very pedestrian night. Well, here's what I'll tell you. I, I think that, you know, the way the stats keepers logged it, showing none inside the 20, um, you know, they they just they just kind of miscalculated that because he actually had he actually had uh his his first two kicks, uh he he uh he pinned them back inside the 20. And so uh okay. he, he actually pinned them down. Uh, he he pinned him at the 16 on his first punt, and the second punt, Hunter Renfro called it fair, called it at the 10 yard line, and so his okay. stats got skewed a little bit because he wasn't punting the ball very far, and um, but he ended up getting three of his six punts inside the 20, and so I think the stat guy, you know, he, he needs to put down the bourbon until the game's over, uh, but uh, but definitely um, you know, J.K. didn't have any booming punts, right? He didn't have any of those. Right. He he didn't have any of those uh, fifty plus yarders that we're used to seeing, uh, but what he what he did do, which was interesting uh, to me, and and I know you noticed this during the ball game, is just his hang time. He kicked, he caught the ball, he, he punted it so high in the dome that by the time the ball got down there, we had guys like circling the punt returner, like we had guys like behind him, in front of him, beside him, um, and so. Um, I think he just kind of showed a different uh, repertoire of his arsenal of that strong leg of his. And so it's just not the average that we're used to seeing, but I think yep. he still was kind of effective for us. No, I think I, I think that's compelling, right? Because uh, they kept talking about, you know, Clemson's dangerous return guys. And, 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 uh, and, and so um, it makes sense, right? Because you can punt it. There's a lot of different things you can do when you're punting the ball. Uh, and 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 maybe sort of booming it for the hang time to minimize, you know, Saban likes his floor, right? 
And so we're going to set the floor with a shorter kick, but they're not going to gain a yard because we're going to we're going to sky kick it, and uh, and then we're going to you know TP around the guy so that he can't run it. So that makes a lot of sense, uh, and it sort of contributes back to. And if I had a bad stat about you know inside the twenty, then then that's good too because because I was surprised to look at the stats because my my sense from the game was that yeah, he had watching a the game yeah from watching the game you you saw those plays. It's just the stats guy needs to put the bourbon down. And uh, he did have a 38-yard punt at one point in the game, where where they started it. They they started it like the 32-yard line, and it was only a 38-yard punt. And that was of his six punts. That was not his right. best one. Um, but yes, uh, I, I think right. your eyes. I think your eyes are correct from what you saw. Uh, he did have a better game than than the stats guy was giving him uh, credit for. Okay, good. So I don't have to put the bourbon down. So that's correct. that's a you win. Do, correct. No, absolutely. And then and then as far as um, you know, the other thing I'll say very quickly, uh, five star number one running back in the nation, Najee Harris, who didn't get to play but one offensive play. Uh, he was lined up uh, wide to rush the punter, and a couple of times mm-hmm. he was rushing he was the Clemson player. punter like yeah. with just absolute mm-hmm. reckless abandonment, and he was going at him as fast as he possibly could. And I just thought that was awesome because here's this guy, you know, who's a stud running back, and he's sitting here on special teams hauling butt at the punter with his speed, giving it all he's got uh, because it's his chance to show the coaches what he could do. So I just thought that was cool. No, I think that's great. I, I think, you know, I think Andy, you know, he made one and missed one. Uh, the one that he missed was was certainly from a makeable distance. Um, and he even had sort of two cuts at it, and, you know, one was worse than the other. Um, I, you know, what do you think about, um, I'll, I'll say both of these and we can kind of react to them together. Um, you know, Trayvon Diggs sort of back returning punts. I thought that was interesting. Uh, he had a, a, uh, to open the game on the opening kickoff, he had a phenomenal tackle, but then in the punt return duty, um, you know, he, he was in there and, and we had said a couple of weeks ago that we thought, you know, the job was Xavier Marcus's. And so we thought we were done with that. And then Henry Ruggs actually returned some kicks, uh, that would have gone into the end zone, uh, and he had three kick returns for 48 yards. What do you make of sort of the personnel and the return decisions? So the re- return decisions on rugs was not what you know we would like by the by the rule book. Um, Trevon Diggs, I think that was a whole nother fall camp, four weeks to get back in the good graces and show what he can do. And so he obviously has the athleticism. He has the uh, the prototypical size and speed and and elusiveness and all those things. But obviously, I think he he took those four weeks to his advantage uh, to uh, to maybe win over the coaches uh, to get the nod, you know, to get the nod over marks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think also, and I would say this about both. Uh, I think Saban was taking a, a calculated low-risk bet on potential upside because the athleticism in the return game of Diggs and Ruggs is better than Marks and taking the ball in the 25. Yes. And, and, so- and, and the risk is the risk is manageable small. Yes, but there was a couple times, you, you know, it would have been nice to go ahead in this game with field position being at a premium, right? To to be able to start at the twenty five yard line. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that as well. So that you know, not all of the bets paid off, but 
you know, he, he was three for 48. Um, and of course, my kick return math is if you get it on the 25, three times that's 75 yards. So absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, man, let's talk, let's talk about, let's flip, let's, let's flip to the next ball game here. This all sec national championship. Uh, these two guys know each other very well. Uh, you know, Kirby joined Saban back in 04. Uh, he was with him for, for what, 12 years. Um, and so, uh, 11, 12 years. So, what, what do you what do you think is going to happen in this game? Because when Georgia played Auburn, they were the leading rushing team in the SEC. Auburn was able to <clears throat> shut down the run, and they basically won the first time they played each other. Because Georgia has not given their quarterback uh, – they, they haven't allowed him to carry the load. They haven't allowed him to throw many passes. And so this is a good matchup for us because this is not a running quarterback. I think this is a much better matchup than Oklahoma would be for us. And I think if if we're able to shut down this run, man, uh, I I think we win this one. No, I agree. I think that, you know, when, you know, the group of four that made the playoff, I thought was the strongest group of four that they've had, you know, in the, in sort of the playoff model. Um, I think that the the only team amongst the four that I really wanted to line up and play against was Georgia, and so I, you know, I if you know if you want me to be really honest, I don't. I was nervous significantly so going into the Clemson game, and and the thought of you know we get to play Clemson for maybe the opportunity to play to Oklahoma, it's a nightmare, right? That's I, I did not want to play those teams back to back. We handle Clemson much more effectively and efficiently than, than I thought. And the fact that we get to now kind of play Georgia and look, I don't want to take anything away from them. I just think, you know, they're the style of play that, and we've talked about this on the podcast for years, right? Who did we go out and get to be sort of the quote unquote big name opponent that we started the season with? We wouldn't got a Wisconsin. We wouldn't got a Michigan. We wouldn't got, you know, teams that just, they sound flashy name-wise, but they are the type of teams that we pulverize. Um, and so this Georgia team is better, but they, but you know they're a type, right? And in a lot of ways, they're sort of they are us, and we are them. I just think we have probably a deeper roster. But you know, offensively and defensively, if you look at all of the stats, uh, yardage and yards allowed, and points and yards per play, and rushing and passing and all of that stuff, um, we're mirror images. You know, we're a little bit ahead, a notch ahead in most of the stats, uh, but they're right there. You know, they have a strong rushing attack. Uh, you know, probably the names of their running back or, you know, people are going to say that they have a stronger rushing attack because they, because they know all of the names. Um, and they've got sort of a steady game manager plus quarterback. Um, it's another young guy that, you know, that's pretty – calm and steady in, in the pocket. I I I think it's gonna be the kind of game that that people who appreciate football are gonna really, really enjoy this. The people from you know the coasts that are looking for a certain brand of football, they're gonna be turned off by it. Um I see it being some sort of almost some flaky, you know, eight to four, you know, nine to six kind of score at halftime. TV, you know, people go to oh it's gonna be some of the those numbers like how do you get to those numbers in football? 
uh, which just when you see a flaky number, you just know defense did something. And so I think half is going to be some sort of flaky number. I think whoever, you know, if there's a turnover, the game can ride on that. If there's a big special teams play, the game can ride on that. Uh, otherwise, it's pounding the other team's defense into submission. And I think it's probably a close game at half. I wouldn't be surprised if we're trailing. Uh, I think it's a 24-17, you know, kind of game uh, at the end. Um I think I think it's it's what football. <laughs> I'll say this, and you'll agree. It's this game will be what football ought to be. Um, people are sort of trained for football to be something different, and they won't know what to do with this. No, that's fair. This this game to me is going to be like the Alabama LSU game in two thousand eleven. Yes, and 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 you know the yes. nation was disgusted with that game, but it was two great teams, you know, beating up each other. And uh, because what? It's the best conference in football, right? And so yeah. that's what I think this is going to be. And what's interesting about this is they bring a uh, – they don't have the size uh, that Clemson has. And so, you know, they, they are – they don't have – you know, they got a couple 300-pound guys, but they don't have the depth like you said, uh, and they do not have – you know, they obviously have some phenomenal players, right? Roquan Smith you know, being the leader of that defense. But I <clears throat> I just think that if we line up and we run the ball between the tackles to set up the play-action pass, I think we can control the clock and I think we can put this team on their heels. And, um, and I think we can keep the ball away from those two great running backs they have. And so I see this being a final score of 17-6, to six, um, Alabama. I think we're going to, you know, give up a couple field goals. I don't think we're going to give up a touchdown. And uh, I think we're going to struggle to score points because Georgia has a good defense. Um, but I think that, you know, our goal here needs to be to to grind the clock, huddle up, use 30, 35 seconds every snap, and, uh, and play keep away. And uh, I don't want Jalen to carry the ball more than five or six times. And I'd love yeah. to see Damian Harris have 22 carries. I'd love him to break his 19 from, you know, from this week. And uh, if that happens, yeah, I think he wins this ball game. No, I, I, I Jalen's going to get more than three or four or five carries. <laughs> that, that'll happen. But I, you know, Hey, if, if we say, you know, Damien, you know, we can get you 20, 25 carries. I like the way that sounds. Um, and then, you know, and then kind of work in the other guys. I think of, um, you know, this is one of those matchup games, right? I think they match up really well. Are we match up really well with us? I think they're the type that you know that we talk about. Reminds me of those uh, old sort of NFL films that they play, and and you get the sound clip of you know Mike Singletary saying, "I like this kind of party." Well, <laughs> I think our players are saying we like this kind of matchup. We like this kind of party. And um, and look, I'm not. I, I'm, I guess I am predicting a win. I'm not saying that it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a, a physical game. But I think this is just going to be a fun, old school kind of football game, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, I, th I think the key here is we have to we have to be able to stop their run. And when Auburn won, you know, round one, yes, they stopped the run. Round two, yes. they didn't stop the run. And um, we are set up to stop the run. That is what we do well, and we play well against teams that don't have a mobile quarterback. And Jake yes. Fromm is not a mobile quarterback, and uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, there's not that X factor, right? We can we can you know play them straight up. We're going to dedicate you know guys to the guys to the line of scrimmage. 
Uh, we're going to see some more, you know, just four-man secondaries. Play some one-on-one on the back. We don't think the quarterback can can beat that necessarily. And we don't have the X factor of the running quarterback that sort of throws all of that on its ear. Um, oh, absolutely. So I think I, I think it's going to be I think I think it's going to be you know you know fun to see. And what's interesting is we have that. We might be the X factor in in that in that kind of way. Um, and so that's where I think we may see some more rushes from Jalen. But uh, yeah, but I'd like to see Jamie. I'd, I'd like to see Damian get more than nineteen carries. Um, I think that would be, uh, you know, that might be the watermark for what it takes to win. No, absolutely. Well, man, anything else we got for the listeners? We do. Um, my computer crashed. We've got some emails, uh, but uh, I, I, my computer crashed, so I'm not able to get to those. But we did get a couple comments uh, on uh, on the iTunes, iTunes, and so I want to hit these. Some of these are have been out there for uh, – there's just two, and they've been out there for a little bit, but we haven't we haven't been on there in a while either. So we got – uh, JTC 186. He sent us something. I've been listening for several years and love it. Feels like uh, talking Alabama football with a couple buddies. Thank you for the great podcast and content. You guys provided uh, insight and analysis. So you just can't get anywhere. Uh, please figure out how to get more off-season shows. Help us get through the season. Love what you guys do. Keep it coming. I like the fact that that uh, we've had some people comment that they're new listeners. He he commented that uh, our uh, I guess he she that uh, that they've been listening for several years uh, and asking for more content. So that's awesome. That's that's great to hear. And then we got uh, Grim Grim Manager 0386. Uh, if you love Alabama football, you will love this podcast. Look forward to it every week. Uh, and I'm always impressed with the way they break down each game. I like the mini game balls and how obscure players are highlighted. These guys turn up the next year as stars in future NFL, in uh, future NFL draft. Only wish there was more uh, than one episode per week. I may have called. I may have read that one last week. Last last time, I can't remember. That sounded familiar, but heck, I like it. So there it is. Uh, a couple. Hey, man, when, it's, when it's a good one, just read it more than one time, man. That's awesome. Absolutely. So you know, a couple five star reviews. Send us send us one of those, and we might read yours not once but twice. No, we appreciate the feedback, and um, you know we we definitely want to try to get more content out to you guys, and uh, we look forward to doing a show after this next ball game. Hopefully, uh, another national championship. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Tom, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in, and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tie. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.